0: Back at the cartoons that shaped our childhood, this episode we are looking at a personal favourite of mine, Ren and Stimpy.
1: Yeah, Ren and Stimpy. I sort of remember. Um, I know it came around with uh, Nickelodeon, and we sort of talked about the Nicktoons things before with um, with Rugrats and Doug. I, ne- I never, I never had the channel, so I never saw really on it. If only when it came to BBC Two, I sort of picked up on it. Mm-hmm. By which point, I think it was quite a few years later. Um, at the time, didn't really click with it. Watching it as a slightly younger adult than I am now, um, really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. So it's always good to get back to these things and to start looking into them again. Um, yeah. it's, it was quite interesting. I, I don't know if I'd seen it as a kid, I don't
0: know whether I would have enjoyed it because it wasn't the sort of thing I did really get into. You, you've hit on something straight away there I think that I was going to pick up on. I think I was exactly the right age for Ren and, and my sensibilities at, at that age as well. Ren and Stimpy just connected with me. like I I loved this thing. It, it really connected with me straight away. It was BBC Two that I caught it on as well, and I think that was actually where we had it first in this country. It was on in a prime time slot. Mm. Um, I don't know exactly what year, but I guess for BBC Two it probably would have been round about 91, 92. Oh, so yeah, later than that, I thought. Yeah, it might even have been, yeah. I mean, I would have been approaching my teenage years, uh, whereas you obviously would have been that, that little yeah, bit. That younger. That you? I mean, I... Looking at it now, I can't see why I wouldn't have liked it. Um, I mean, I, I can't understand why anyone would have liked um, it. Well, I mean I, mean, I mean I can. It is gross and offensive and, a, yeah, it is, and apologetic it is. about it.
1: Yeah. Um, um, I, mean, I mean going back this week and looking at so some of the clips and stuff online I and mean, um being reunited really with this fart is one of my one of my favourites. But it's, it's so stupid. <laughs> it's it's
0: ridiculous.
1: But stupid. Uh, looking at it now, yeah. I think fucking hell, that's hilarious. And I, I understand that sort of where that level they're pitching at is probably above my mental age.
0: Yeah, I it certainly is for me now. <laughs> yeah. I still find fart gags funny, and I'm not ashamed of it. Nothing wrong with taking <laughs> fart jokes. No. Um, but yes, yeah, so, I mean, I, th- I could, looking at it now, I think why wouldn't
1: I have found that funny? But for whatever reason, when I, when it was on first, I just didn't click. I think
0: part of that is, and and part of. Um, why I loved Ren and Stippy so much was that even though like you will instantly if you think of Ren and Stippy now you'll instantly go to the violence and the fart gags and stuff like that but they were actually only a part of it the things I mean Ren and Stippy was so surreal it, yeah. like we're talking it, it was Python-esque in some ways yeah. the level of surreal humour that was in there um, you know things like powdered Toast Man and yeah. Mr Horse and stuff like that were just Absolutely fucking bonkers! Yeah, no, I to um, remember, Was Mister Horse the one who just popped up out of nowhere for no reason? Yeah, no, sir. I don't like it. That's that was Mister Horse. Yeah,
1: yeah. I was, I was trying to think. I'm um, reading about it this morning. so trying to remember who, you know, who the sort of the cameos were because you had you know, quite a few. Yeah, characters. characters out, yeah, yeah, but I think he was the only one I couldn't remember. And I was, as I was thinking,
0: yeah, he just sort of, he was never really featured as anything. He was literally just pops in and disappears. He was, he was the man on the street. <laughs> <but> actually <laughs> was what Mister Horse was. Uh, so. um, they, they were, they were. had also the way it was structured. Yet two episodes. Sometimes they connected, but there was always two episodes, and there were advert breaks. But they were they were advert breaks for things inside Stimpy's yeah. universe. So, uh, for instance, there's an episode where. Um, Stibby gets famous because he sponsors Gritty Kitty Litter yeah. and and they'd be out doing vox pops with uh, with Mr. Horse about why he likes Gritty Kitty Litter over another brand and yeah. they'd do like blind tests for gr- and so they'd use him for that and he would always be just that man on the street if you need yeah. to cut away to somebody you would go to Mr. Horse and he'd either like it or not like it yeah. <laughs> and that was his character you know. Yeah. Yes, sir, that's correct, or no, sir, I don't like it. That was Mr. Horse, that was what
1: he did. And you're right, I mean, I think that sort of speaks volumes about the the level of surrealism. that It didn't need to make sense a lot of the time.
0: It just sort of, no, it was... Very rarely did it make sense. Um, One of my favourite episodes, um, interestingly, is paired with one that John Kay took his name off because he he really didn't like it and he used a pseudonym for it. But there's there's one where... um, you have to believe they're deliberately going at Disney, and we'll talk about their approach to animation as, as opposed yeah. to Disney Studios' approach to animation in a bit, because I think that's quite important as well. Uh, but they retell the story of Robin Hood. Uh, I think it's called Ren... I, I, no, it's not Ren Hood. Anyway, they, they, they retell Robin Hood, yeah. essentially. Stimpy's reading Robin Hood as a bedtime story to Ren as he's going to sleep. And there's obviously like with these two characters you could easily just put them in that story and, and hilarity would ensue but yeah. they don't go for that at all this thing gets more and more surreal because Stimpy's reading it Yeah. and it's just ridiculous like at one point I, I, I remember them being in a moat Um, I mean I say I remember I watch Red and Stimpy regularly so I know they're in a moat <laughs> I'm just putting this on they're in a moat and generally where you'd expect them to be chased by a crocodile or something like that you see these kind of Creatures surfacing in the moat, and you're like, you're expecting Stimpy to say, like, the hippos or crocodiles. No, they're rabid, man-eating monks. Obviously, obviously, that's what they are. And this thing just gets more and more bizarre. They're just throwing in random stuff, like. Is, they're dropping elks on people and hmm. for no reason whatsoever yeah. <laughs> just just because yeah but I said you no know, why not you know, you know the same with the adverts that you get I mean um, things like Powdered Toast Man he, he, he became a recurring character in the mm. end where you know they'd eat Powdered Toast for breakfast and when they ran out Powdered Toast Man would fly in through the window fart because he flied but when, it, when he flew he, he basically farted and that's how he took off I right. mean he was, he was a like a big muscular dude with a piece of toast for a head wearing white white fronts and he'd come in and scrape powdered toast off his skin onto their plate. <laughs> I, I, it's fucking nuts. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you look at it and you look at...
1: If you look, if you look at it in isolation, yes, it's fucking nuts. And if you look at it as, a, as being a kid's show, it seems oh fairly bockers. Um, no. I was going to say to that. I mean, there's, oh, man. There are some... There are some interesting controversy with Nickelodeon and Chuck Monge in second but if you look at In Isolation yes it looks like it's fucking nuts if you look at it as a forerunner to things like Family Guy and South Park where they are surreal but they use that as part of the story you've got to wonder if they'd have, if, if they'd have done
0: that we, we we don't get South Park or Family Guy without Ren No, we? there is no this broke ground there I mean yeah. The Simpsons was already around but The Simpsons was very much a family show it was and I think The, the Simpsons it was a family show but it was also it was
1: trying to portray Humans, effectively. Yeah. Um, whereas this never tried to be realistic. It never tried to have people in it. And you um, look at the style of animation. So if you look back to so the the twenties, thirties, and forties, the way that so b- characters were animated. So, so it, if somebody was having a dilemma, their stomach would literally be r- drawn in knots, and you know, they'd be green in the face. It's caricature. They're, yeah. yeah it I mean, and, a and it's cartoon of it's the a, highest order. Yeah. I mean, it's a very there's a very particular style that kind of died out towards the sort of you know, after the war, really. Yeah.
0: And then this kind of went, well, fuck that. We like that, so we'll do it again. Well, a lot of that you can you can kind of, depending on on how you want to look at things. But I suppose thank Disney is the wrong way to put it. But it, that is that is because of Disney. Yeah. Um, Walt, in particular, was always very keen on on this notion of practical impracticality, and, yeah. and, and and you couldn't twist your stomach in knots. It was not believable. Yes. Um, and so, whilst there was an element of the fantastic in cartoons, everything had to have a basis in reality. Yeah. John Kay very specifically and he's a very vocal guy if you want to go yes. online and, and search for his thoughts on a lot of things. They're there for you whether you want them or not um, but we'll put his politics and who he is aside because yeah. especially recently that's been a bit of a, a hotbed. He's been a naughty boy. <laughs> but yeah, yeah we'll, we'll, we'll not dwell on that. Yeah, let's, let's not touch that. Let's judge the art, not the artist. That's it. Um, and it's and interesting because me being such a, a hardcore Disney nerd that I am, which is no secret to anybody that's listened to this podcast before, um, and, and a lot of the shows that we praise, I always praise how well written they are. And that's mm-hmm. because I come from that Disney school. Walt was all about the quality of the story yeah. and, you know, making sure that the characters were believable and relatable and everything had its place. John K threw all of that out. He is absolutely believing that it's all about the quality of the art and the animation Yeah. And the story is, by the by, <laughs> the story is just a means to an end. And you see that in a lot of these episodes. That They are very, very freewheeling and loosey-goosey. And everything yeah. is just about the gag. Um, it is in the truest form of the word, and I think it's why it connected with me so much as a kid, Renner Stipp is fucking punk. Yeah. It, it is punk. It takes everything that animation had become by the early 90s, throws it all out oh. of the window and goes yeah. back to the drawing board and it's rough and ready and it's not ashamed of that at all it is punk and that that's why i loved it i mean i am a punk at heart especially as a teenager <laughs> i was ridiculously into punk and this just connected me it's an archic in a way that nothing else was yeah it just did not give a fuck and neither did john Kay, quite as i say, quite vocally yeah um, i mean one of the um one of the biggest notes you find, I mean,
1: if you look at certainly if you look at Wikipedia, but if you look at any any sort of comment about the show, any any essays, anything that's been written about it, part of it is about how much he clashed with Nickelodeon. Oh, I mean, they wouldn't speak to each other. Yeah, I mean, you. by the end, it's, um a bit of background, I'll go a bit more detail in a second. But the the first two seasons were done by his company, which I believe was called Spermco, Spumco. Yeah, it's got an unmarked of the U. It's it's
0: an Ur sound. Now, Spum Go in German. It, it's itself is is interesting because <laughs> John, John Kay created this whole character um, yeah. who he credits with inventing animation. Right. <laughs> something Spum. And, and, it, and it's his pseudonym as well. I've got a feeling it's like Roger or something like that. Right. So anyway, Something Spum. And he managed to convince the Nickelodeon executives that this guy invented animation <laughs> and his company was named after, after this guy. Wow, that's amazing. And he then later when he argued with Nickelodeon over various cuts in episodes whenever he didn't like an episode instead of being directed by John Kay it would be directed by Spum. Okay, I didn't realise And it that. was a completely made up guy. He yeah. totally baffled them with this.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, one of the things that's, that's well documented is that towards the, the end of the second season they didn't speak everything was done through lawyers because oh, yeah. he had I think her name was Vanessa Coffey who was his only supporter she brought him to Nickelodeon in the first she place brought the, she was in the first yeah. place and she was kind of his only supporter and he fucked her off as well yeah, yeah. and it was like no you talk to my lawyers don't talk to me leave me alone yeah. it's my show I'll do what the fuck I like yeah. and all the, all the concessions were look you're going to lose your show they're going to take it off you they're going to take it off the air at, at which point it's sort of uh, you look at so there are two very different types of episodes you've got the the actual Ren and Stimpy episodes, which are fucking chaotic and all the rest of it, and then you've got the ones which are a bit more heartwarming and a bit more genuine. Those were the Nickelodeon ones. Those were the Nickelodeon yeah, ones, yeah. and it was a case of look, you kind of do two for you and one for them. Otherwise, they ain't going to pay for it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that went on for a while, and then I think it was '93.
0: after the second season. They they fired him, didn't they? And they brought they brought in some Games Animation to the third, fourth. Games season. Animation, yeah. They fired him, but Bob Camp was still yeah. involved. Um, but they, yeah, they got rid of his company and they got rid of him. The, the show is noticeably different from season three onwards. Yeah. Um, it retains some of what was Ren and Stimpy, but that real kind of sense of anarchy and we don't give a fuck.
1: Yeah, that's just was isn't, gone. It's gone. I mean, it, yeah.
0: It, I well, still like it. I I still like those other three seasons, but they are they're not Ren and Stimpy. Yeah, I mean, I,
1: I, um, I'm sorry, I haven't... Didn't really engage with it as, a, as a as a child when it was on first. Going back to it when I was in my early twenties, thought it was fucking hilarious. But you can There's a very different sense in tone, sense of tone. Oh yeah, absolutely. So sort of pick that up, and you, so you get more of the those first issues. You've got the wacky zany escapades, and when they tried to do that later on, um, and I think the biggest of the mo- mo- most noticeable difference for me was Billy West coming in um, uh-huh. as the voice to do the voices, um, and so you've got them the, when they were trying to be crazy and. As, as 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 anarchic and as chaotic as they were in those first two seasons, it didn't quite come off. It came off as a bit too slapstick.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was, it was the pop punk version of Ren and Stimpy essentially. Yeah. yeah,
1: it's watered down.
0: It's very it's very safe and friendly. And yeah, I mean, if Ren and Stimpy was punk, then seasons three to five, yeah, with the nineties pop punk era where everybody decided to be ironic, yeah, and and spike their hair because it looks cool, yeah. That was what it became. Um as I say it's not say so I didn't enjoy it, I still did. Um some of the episodes to come out of that are genuinely really good. They just don't feel the same. No, and I think that the ones that are really good and I
1: know and you compare them in terms of quality to the originals are few and far between.
0: Yeah, and, and the things, um Ren and Stimpy is very much a show. I think it is polarising. It is something you either love or hate. I don't think you can be indifferent to Ren and Stimpy. No, I don't um, think so. And the people that do like it and, and remember it fondly, the stuff that you will instantly remember about Ren and Stimpy all comes from those first two seasons. You know, Things like Happy, Happy, Joy, Joy, yeah. The Log Song, Powder Toast Man, Mr. Horse. It's all there in those first two seasons. Yeah. And then everything else just becomes uh, a little bit, just watered down and sanitised yeah that's right essentially Um I mean John K did eventually I don't know how the rights worked and the the legalities of it but he did return to Ren and Stimpy very briefly I remember and it was that was bad as well <laughs> because he was allowed free reign and it went too far yeah I mean, it was way way off the reservation yeah,
1: I mean that came up I mean I'll I'll, I'll I'll give the background of the show and sort of the premise and we can talk about that because there's quite mm-hmm. a bit written about that as well so, um, Ren and Stimpy is an American animated series created by John Crickfalusi, which I guess is why we are him John K, because that's K- K- that so K- yeah. um, for Nickelodeon. It follows the adventures of title characters Ren, an emotionally unstable chihuahua, and Stimpy, a good-natured, dim-witted cat. It premiered on August 11th, 1991, as one of the original three Nicktoons, along with Rugrats and Doug, which we've talked about on previous episodes. Uh, throughout its run, the show is controversial for its off-colour humour, sexual innuendo, dark humour, adult jokes and violence. The controversy contributed to the production of the staff's altercation of the Nickelodeon Standards and Practices Department. The show ended on December 16th, 1995, with a total of five seasons and 52 episodes. So from the shows we talked about before, they were very much designed to go straight to syndication. This didn't even get that far. No. It didn't <laughs> get to so the 60 episodes to, to be able to run.
0: When, when you watch those early episodes, I mean, Nickelodeon clearly had no fucking clue what they had on their hands or what they were doing, because it is amazing to me. In the time slot it was in. Like now you would get away with it. Yeah. But but it would be on at like 10 o'clock at night, or it would be on Adult Swim or something like yeah. that. Back then, it amazes me that this fucking thing got past two episodes, let alone two seasons. Yeah. I, I mean, you say about the innuendo, there's not really innuendo in Renston, be so much as there is just blatant, blatant gags. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, we talked about, when we talked about anomaniacs, we talked about
1: sort of the adult humor and so something sort of like. But that was all nudge, nudge, wig, wig. Yeah, that was very much not allusions to and very much subtle like, oh, see what we did there yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. and this was just oh, this just is in, cock out
0: yeah this was in your fucking face yeah <laughs> know. Know. This, <laughs> was, this was very <laughs> deliberate
1: but, and, and as i said it was it was very obvious it was very apparent so i think it you know, it's, to get away with it to get away as being a prime time kid show on american tv getting past the censors even in the early 90s and getting past the bbc and getting us of was at
0: 6 or a 7 o'clock showing here yeah I mean, that's fucking incredible. Yeah, it, it really is. When you look back, and obviously at the time, I, I mean, I guess, yeah, it would have been a bit later than I thought. So I guess I probably would have been more kind of 12, 13 hmm. when I was first being exposed to this. And at the time, like I found it hilarious uh, because it was rude and, yeah. and violent, but I had no kind of social context of, oh, well, I probably shouldn't be watching this and there'll be kids younger than me watching I didn't I didn't put it into that perspective. Yeah. But then, as you say, I mean, I've, I've constantly stuck with the show through my life. It's, I've got the box sets. I, I love it. I love it to bits. I'm watching it now. I do just sometimes watch those old episodes. like I've rewatched season one for this and you watch those old episodes and I just look at them with absolute awe that, yeah. <laughs> that this thing fucking existed.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean that's the thing now. I mean if it were to be made now it would be a it would be an internet show. It, yeah. would, it wouldn't it wouldn't be it would be on to. TV. Yeah. Um, it'd be an internet show where it'd be in the UK, they would sort of a straight-to-BBC3, 11 o'clock at night sort of show. It wouldn't be on mainstream TV. No. You'd
0: have to go online or go to the streaming, the streaming, the streaming, the streaming service to find it. It's the kind of thing now that, like, yeah, Netflix, it's, it's fucking made for Netflix, but with everything that's gone on with John Kane in subsequent years, I doubt they'd touch him with a barge pole. Probably not. But it, it's that kind of creator-driven content that Netflix jump all over, and especially when you look at, like... The, um, they've just uh, released Big Mouth and stuff like that which you know is also very explicit yeah and again probably wouldn't have
1: been made no without would have no chance even though it has gone straight to Netflix yeah and for the record, I thought that was fucking hilarious. I, I I've
0: only know. seen um, a couple of episodes, but yeah, I do think it's hilarious. But again, the Ren and Stimpy influence is clear with things like the what is it, the hormone, the hormone story. story? Yeah, it, it's straight out of Ren and Stimpy. But not you know, Pick that him up and drop him in a Ren and Stimpy episode.
1: Yeah, and there's there's other surreal characters as well. You've got um, further in uh, the ethnic minority kid. I can't remember his name. The um, the, the like where, the he was he was um they depicted him as a, a bit of a sort of would be Jock, but he was too small. Right. Um, he has a sexual relationship with his pillow, who then gets pregnant and has a baby pillow.
0: Yeah, that's definitely Ren and Stimpy. Um, that is son of Stimpy all
1: over. Baby um, pillow and baby pillow then run away, and he ha- he starts fucking his bath mat and gets his foot on his dick. <laughs> no, you wouldn't you wouldn't have that without the, the groundwork that was done no. on Ren and Stimpy. Absolutely not. Even though it sounds, it, it's a very different subject matter. It's a very different way of handling it. Yeah. It's it very much owes the, f- the fact they can get away with it a lot more, and people are are. are a lot less daunted by doing things like that. Yeah. Whereas if you know you even if you look I said ten years or twenty years ago it would be now, that's sort of when you know stuff like Family Guy was sort of first coming about and you look at that and think fucking that's a bit Yeah. on the nose, a bit no, a bit close to the bone. But again it's they've had nine, ten years at that point of looking back at Red yeah. And it's and it's incredible. And I think it had it gone had it gone the way that um, the the second show went, the um, was it adult party cartoon Um, I mean if it had gone that I mean thankfully stuff the family
0: Park. had (laughs) been before that became an interim because that was where I just went completely off the fucking reservation yeah that was the point where I think I mentioned John Kay's attitude towards like ah we'll throw a story out it's fine it's all about the gags it's all about the animation and the quality of the animation but the problem is by the time um, adult party had come around we did have things like South Park yes and we had had Beavis and Butthead and King of the Hill and other adult shows which did follow the Walt school (laughs) and put story first and this went so far the other way it was literally just a string it was a string of like homosexual jokes and just it really was bad taste for bad taste's sake yeah and there were smarter shows out there by then yeah Uh, but I mean that is the thing for these first two seasons for all that they are Anarchic and completely mental. Like, the writing is actually really fucking smart. Like, it might just be a collection of gags, but they are funny fucking gags yeah. every time. They every one You can guarantee there's a belly laugh in every episode, if yeah. not more than one. That just wasn't present <laughs> second time out, you know. Yeah, I mean I I
1: didn't I've only seen clips of it, I've not seen a full episode. Um but I think from memory, I think they don't It was on Spike in the States, and I think they only aired like three episodes, and anyway, you know what, fuck
0: this. Yeah, it was kind of missing that self-conscious knowing aspect. Like Season one and two, they knew they shouldn't be doing what they were doing. Yeah, They just didn't care. And by by the time this one rolls around, it it is more like, yeah, well, we'll do it, because that's what people want from us. So they know what they're doing, and they're consciously trying to give it to you. It wasn't like, well, we're doing it because this is what we want to do anymore. Yeah.
1: I mean, yeah. you got to you got to the point where the, the bits I've seen it looks like they're kind of trying too hard to shock people because yeah, they, it's... with the original run they they shocked people because they were doing what they wanted to do. This time it was like, right, well, what are people not going to expect? Right, well, we'll start making fun of gay people, or we'll start making fun of blacks, or we'll start making Muslim jokes. Or whatever. It's just how how far can we go to offend people?
0: Yeah, and, 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 it's, and South Park had already done that by that point and done it yeah. with a level of of heart and charm. Yeah, that I mean it's you just can't compare anything to South Park. It is, a, is the true original of this this kind of adult animated show. Yeah. It, there is nothing as good as it. I don't think there will be anything as good as it. And, and not even Ren and Stimpy. Yeah. South Park absolutely nailed it. Yeah. Ren and Stimpy opened the door. Yeah, but, but South Park the fucking thing down. Park booted it down and nailed it. And I, I mean, I think the...
1: The, one of the reasons that South Park has lasted so well is because the way they animate it so cheaply done it's, I mean they, I think they turn, they turn an episode around every week don't they mm-hmm. so they can write it in a couple of days they can turn it around in a week and it's current so yeah. you've got an episode going out that you might have one about school shootings two weeks after a school shooting
0: Yeah.
1: or you might have them. I mean I think it was sort of the, the third week of September 2001 you had an episode called Osama Bin Laden's farty pants <laughs> you know and it, it's, um, it was literally just because we're like, we'll fucking bash this out as quick as we can so we can stay relevant yeah. We, can say we can do things that are topical, but we're still creating fun, entertaining content. And, yeah. I th- and I think it's probably still the only one that does that.
0: I think so. And they do it with so much heart is the key. They can get away with murder yeah. because there is so much heart in it at the end of the day. And they will just go at anybody. That's um, right. And it's it's interesting you say like they South Park they turn around in a week whereas Red and Snippy was notoriously slow through production. They were terrible, and uh, but it, a lot of that was because John Kay was arguing like fuck with executives about what would go in and what would.
1: There are two reasons for it. I'm reading it this morning. One of the reasons was, that, um, I said he was arguing constantly over content. There would be approved jokes that then had to come out yeah. because the person who approved them no longer worked in that department and shit like that. And Nickelodeon was going through a bit of flux as well. Yeah because I think they thought they could rein the show in and I think that caused them a lot of problems they were changing executives left right and centre but the other thing was that um, similar similar to the, the 30s 40s animation style um they use the same techniques as well. So the director directed everything. He directed yeah. the drawing. He directed the uh, the actors. He directed literally everything. Yeah. Rather than have a voice director or an yeah. animation director, and he and put the score. He, it was literally he had to have John Show. Yeah. He had yeah. to have something yeah. in every pie. And, yeah. and um, as I said, it's his show, so he's yeah. going to want to do that. But because of that, no, deadlines were frequently missed. So, so there weren't new episodes. So they had to show repeats. Which I mean, they might have only had three episodes, and then they had to repeat the first one again. Yeah. And things so like that, and that really
0: da- that really harmed. The reputation of the show. Yeah, I think uh, certainly from a commercial standpoint it would have. Um, from a, a fan perspective watching it, it is so, because it's so fucking nuts and because there are so many jingles and things like that and, and so many recurring characters, it is so rewatchable. Yeah, I don't think I, well, I know I didn't care. when and Spippy was on. It used to be on a Thursday at six o'clock, I remember it, because mm. it was Thursday, six o'clock. Ren and Stimpy, yeah, fucking there. You know, I I would watch it. I don't care if I'd seen the episode twenty fucking times. Yeah, I would watch it, and I'm still now with the box sets, rewatching season one. I know all the gags. I've seen them so many times, and I still fucking loved it. Yeah. you know, and I'm I'm the sad motherfucker, sat there singing along to the jingles, you know, because <laughs> I know the fucking words because I've heard them so many times. But they're hilarious. Yeah, It uh, suddenly
1: it's only just occurred to me when we were talking about it, but you, you think uh, we talked when we talked about Animaniacs? A lot of that setup was very similar. It was all. There were lots of skits and lots of, sort of faux adverts and stuff like that. And again, you wonder whether that would have been the case without the show. I mean, this would have come a year or so before. It would have come
0: before. There is definitely influence. I, I'm i sure Animaniacs would have been in production at the same time as Ren and Stimpy, but there is definitely influence there and it is... Animaniacs is the slightly smarter but more commercialised version yes. of Ren and Stimpy without a shadow of a doubt the, the influence is there. And again, it comes back to that the formula that was put in place by Ren and Stimpy has been refined, you know, and afterwards we had things, and uh, you know, we had things like MTV would go on record and say there would be no Beavis and Butthead without yeah. Ren and Stimpy, you know, so afterwards we had Beavers and Butthead, we had King of the Hill, we had South Park, and they refined this formula. But it just doesn't exist without Ren and Stimpy, and mm. Animaniacs is the same. What Animaniacs was doing yeah, just would not have existed without Ren and Stimpy. Yeah,
1: and I mean, I think from the perspective of Animaniacs, like Animaniacs, I think it was about two years later, and I think... It's like
0: 93, 94? It's yeah, something like that, that wasn't it? Years. So it's was a li-
1: just a little bit later. I think they'd got up on, they'd seen Ren and Stimpy working, and they'd seen what people, what you could get away with, almost, mm. but also what sort of appetite there was and what sort of reception it had. And I mean, it was fairly well, um, Ren and Stimpy was fairly well received at the time. Mm. Um, it's developed a cult following as, as time has gone on, as these things tend to do. And now... A lot of its followers, no, it, it's not picking up any new followers. If it was aired on Nickelodeon today, probably wouldn't do that well. No. But people of our age, who in your case did see it first time around, and in my case should have seen it first
0: time around, mm-hmm. that will still watch it. if it's on TV. We'll put it, we'll, we'll, we'll watch it. I'll actively seek the fucking thing out. If it's not, yes, if it's on TV, there's no way I'm, I'm spinning past it. Yeah. But like I said, I'll, I'll pop the discs in mm-hmm. you know, if if I feel like watching something quite often, I will. You know, from going to my DVD collection, Ren and Stimpy will catch my eye, and I'd, they're so short as well. And there's no real story arc because they're just so fucking mental and anarchic. You can pop it in and watch half an episode if you want. If you've only got ten minutes. Yeah, that's you right. Know, you just watch half an episode. <laughs> you just watch one story. So yeah, it. I feel like um, every it was a game changer, as we say, and, and everything that came after. Even Nicktoons that came after, when you look at the ones that were out at the same time as Ren and Stimpy it hit the same time as that initial phase with Doug and Rugrats, and they, they were very sanitized. And we've talked about yeah. both of those shows, and they each have their own merits. But then afterwards, you get like Rocco's Modern Life, yeah, and you get Ah Real Monsters, and all of a sudden everything just goes a little bit off the reservation, and then even to a point where you go slightly further on and you start looking like SpongeBob. Well, SpongeBob again. Yeah, there is no SpongeBob the, without the show. Absolutely fucking not. SpongeBob is the show that Nickelodeon wanted Ren and Stimpy to be. Hmm. There is, there is no question about that. Even right down to the animation style, you yes. know, the extreme close-ups that have been yeah. drawn with just a tiny bit of animation, it's Ren and Stimpy. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. It is the clean Ren and Stimpy that Nickelodeon always wanted. Yeah, and I think. That- 200 episodes later, I think it, it shows that if had
1: they, had they had what they wanted and had they handled it in the same way, yeah, it would have not, it could
0: possibly have lasted a lot longer than the five seasons it lasted. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I mean, don't me know, what, I'm not, I'm not negging on SpongeBob at all. I'm sure we'll come on to SpongeBob at some point in this podcast. And I don't dislike it at all. No, no, I problem. like SpongeBob Square, that's a big fan, but it's not Remnant's DVD. No, it's not. And as uh, so you could, you can very much tell that that's kind of what it's trying to be. Yeah, uh, there have been a lot of imitators. Um. I mean, Ren and Stimpy did live on, you know. Through there wasn't a great deal of merchandise at the time. I remember it was difficult to get Ren and Stimpy stuff. But, yeah. You know, there were there were games and there were CDs and like again, even now, Ren and Stimpy's Croc of Christmas comes out every Christmas season for me. Yeah. It's it's one of the best Christmas albums. <laughs> yeah. It's fucking great. Um, and they were Christmas specials and and that sort of thing. So it it did live a little bit outside of that five season arc. Yeah. You know. But um, not massively. I mean, you look at some of the other shows we've talked about and
1: we talked about the fact that stuff, you know, certainly through the 80s and then into the early 90s it was toy machines and merchandise machines. Ren and Stimpy kind of didn't wasn't do that. that. No. And I think that was that was deliberate. That was by design that it wasn't something that you wouldn't, no toy company was going to say, right, we're going to make fucking Ren and Stimpy figures. No, because they're too fucking gross. Yeah. It was never going to happen and I think that then so the, the merchandise you did have, the spin-offs you did have, so the albums and stuff and the games and so stuff, there was more control over it. Mm. Whereas if you, know, if you get into bed with Mattel or whoever to, to make your toy line, all of a sudden, like we talked about with um, with Mask on the other show, we've talked about um, with in the past with Thundercats and Transformers and Turtles and all the rest of these, it was very much, right, how do we sell this toy? Yeah. Right, we put it on TV. And this was the complete
0: antithesis of that. yes yeah, yeah. well, we've got this show, it's on TV, fuck your toy line. We don't want it. Well, I mean, they, they very deliberately did stick two fingers up that- to that with the adverts with things <laughs> like log yeah that's exactly. very deliberately them going like normally before an episode of a cartoon show you're going to get sold something like a fucking slinky or the latest fucking nerf or laser tag or something yeah here's a log and it would be at the start of the episode it's like before we start here's log go out and buy log kids yeah that's it and with that in mind here's a word from our sponsors Hey, kid, you want a toy? Uh
1: Uh-huh,
0: uh-huh. How about a bike? No. A video game? No! Well, okay. You pick a toy. Yes, Log. All kids love Log. One rolls downstairs. stairs, the motor pairs, rolls over your neighbor's dog. What's great for a snack, it fits on your back. It's Log, Log, Log. Okay, so, you, can, I mean, you can see, like, they know exactly what they're doing. Absolutely. Yeah. Having said all of this, yes, there was no merchandise at the time, or no real merchandise at the time. If somebody brought out a log, now, a Ren and Stimpy <laughs> official marketed log, make it out of plastic if you want. No, it's got to be wood. It's, it's got to be wood. I'm fucking buying it. I'll buy it and put it on a shelf. That's ah. right. I willed it. Like, you can probably charge me about 30 quid for that fucker. Yeah. And I'll buy it and put it on a shelf.
1: Yeah. Probably, you know, you you, you chop down a couple of trees to make them. You design some packaging and probably pay, what, three, four quid a box? Stick Ren and Stimpy on the, the box. Stick Ren and Stimpy on it. Sell it for 20 quid. Spamco's log. There you go. Sorry. Um, yeah, but you're right. That's, that's, that, and that's kind of the way it would work now. You will literally sell anything with a name on it. Yeah. Um... So, Some of the background, talking to, um, we talked about the, the early relationship with Nickelodeon. Um, in terms of his conception, um, the, one of the animators, William Ray, um, is quoted as saying that um, John Kay created the characters on a whim for his own amusement. He was bored, basically. Um, he was studying at uh, Sheridan College in Ontario, and he, re- he received a postcard um, which had a chihuahua wearing, wearing clothes uh, standing at a woman's feet, and that kind of inspired the character. And then from there... Um, he um, he picked up. Um, it was from one of the, uh, one of the sort of Tweety Pie or Sylvester Pie, Pie cartoons um, called The Gruesome Chueson, mm-hmm. and uh, the cats in that had some very obviously distorted noses and things like that. And he kind of based the, ca- the sort of characters on those two images, right? Um, and then um, he built them into bigger shows. So there was originally a variety of shows, a similar sort of thing to to what they had, but in sort of the anime next type format yeah. where you present things and you have your skits. Um, it was either going to be called Your Gang or Our Gang so live action host presenting different cartoons which um, cartoon parodying a different genre right and um, would be the pets of one of the children in Your Gang uh, and then so they did this with the sort of Tom and Jerry type um, type genre um, uh, Vanessa Coffey who's the network vice president didn't like the, the overall concept but she liked Reninstein BS characters so she said look go away and work on that and come back when you've got something I can, I can see um, and that's exactly what he did so so um, they, um, did the, they started the production of the pilot in 1989 and then they, um, they pitched and sold Ren's it show to Nickelodeon so they basically said right this is the bit you liked with all of them, the, the gross the, 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 slap, the slapstick humour and, yeah. and the gross stuff we've given you an entire episode we've, we'll give you 20 minutes of that and they laughed it up and they bought it uh, which is which is amazing considering It it wasn't the it wasn't the show that was going to be made. It was a, it was a slight offshoot of it. Yeah, and it went on to
0: to be this. It's absolutely incredible. I, I still just I know we we we're kind of flogging the dead horse, here know, because we've said it so many times. But I just what part of the brain of those executives sat in that room about to launch a new kids TV station? I mean, you know this. Actually, the nineties is approaching, and they want to be edgy and Gen X and cool and all of that, but. Who fucking thought this was acceptable for a kid's net? Honestly, like, it, it just amazes me. It, D- it, it does, and I think that the
1: problem... We've talked about this before on, I think it was on Who Wins rather than on this show, but the the conception at the time tended to be that it's a cartoon, it's got to be for kids. Yeah. It's animated, it's for kids. End of story. You don't have adult cartoons, no. adult animations. It's for kids. Therefore, it must be a kid's show. It can go on our kid's channel at fucking four o'clock in the afternoon.
0: yeah. And that's it. And that's it, yeah. And then this comes along. And I know, as I say, Nickelodeon, they probably wanted to be edgy. The 90s were approaching, they were new. You know, and it, things like uh, Rugrats and Doug were a bit more mature. But then you get this, and you've got gags about rubber nipples. and Yeah. Like, <laughs> what? How? <laughs> I mean, the fart gags you can get is yeah, innocent enough. Yeah, but exactly. When you get to rubber, rubber nipple salesman, you're like, what? what?
1: Yeah, how is this appropriate?
0: Yeah, I mean, what are you playing at? I think a lot of it would have gone over the kids' heads anyway. Totally, I did not understand probably fifty percent of this show when I was watching. I knew it was rude and wrong, yep. but I didn't understand kind of why or where they were coming from because I was still just that little bit too young. Yeah,
1: and I think I mean a lot of people would have been exposed to the show because as I say the time of day it was on mm. and the fact it was animated. People, parents wouldn't have thought,
0: "Hang on a minute, what's this?" Well, the, here is the beauty of Red and Stimpy and the deception of when you look at it because it's done in that kind of, it, it's got a bit of a mix, like uh, John Kay talks about the, the kind of um, 30s and 40s animation style and yeah. that's that's clear in the design of things like uh, Puddle Toast Toastman's yeah. he, he he looks like and whenever they draw children in the adverts that that is very much that kind of stop, drop and roll, safety information kind of animation. Yeah. But then, when you look at the the minute-to-minute running of it and the, the way Red and Stimpy are drawn and animated, it's very Hanna Barbera. Yes. Very Hanna Barbera, and, and consciously so. I mean, John K. did work on the Jetsons for a little yeah. while, so that you can see how that came through. But then, to any parent in passing, if you're not really paying attention, yeah. it looks just like a Hanna Barbera cartoon. Uh, and
1: even if you look at sort of the coloring as well, yeah, I mean, because the colors weren't vivid and bright; they were kind of muted. Mm. So like you know, the blues were sort of that sort of Huckleberry Hound sort yeah, yeah. of Yeah, um, it was pastely and yeah. yeah. So again it's a, it has that same sort of look to it. So people wouldn't have thought twice about it.
0: No.
1: And then going back to it as an adult, I don't think fucking i to get away with that. I can I mean that's I I didn't watch much of it as a kid. I think I watched a couple of episodes and didn't take but I can guarantee had my mother seen that when I'd seen it she'd have gone fucking mental. Oh you know, yeah. She 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 didn't let's watch the Simpsons for years because it was it was you no know, it was inappropriate so, something like that. It's fucking hell. Yeah. Now this would have killed her.
0: Yeah, exactly. But but I think that you know if it's just playing away in the background. Yeah. <laughs> that that is the beauty of how subversive this show was. It genuinely just got through the net in, in in households. But you you still can't understand whether executives have seen like thirty seconds of it and gone, yeah, that's great, we'll have it. Yeah. And not watched the whole thing. I don't know, but fucking hell. Yeah, I know it's crazy. <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> So um, yes,
1: talking about this of the the early, um, the early days then. So the Spumco or Spumco days. I say it, when when we've got the M I over the i U. I'm not sure how it's supposed to be pronounced. I think I, I don't know how it's supposed you, to be pronounced either. I've always said Spumco, but
0: Spumco kind of makes more yeah, sense. It's, yeah, again, it's a bit more a, a little yeah, bit yeah. edgier.
1: Spumco is funny enough, but yeah. yeah. Um, so, permanent in August 11th, 91, I said Doug and Rugrats. Um, Spumco Spumco continued to produce the show for the next two years while encountering issues with Nickelodeon standards and practices. The show was known for its lack of early merchandising, which according to um, to Ray, the initial lack of merchandise was the unique and radical thing about the show. No toy company planned ahead for any merchandise for the show, and Nickelodeon didn't want to use over merchandising. Since fucking when? Yeah. You now, that's like saying Disney didn't want to cash in on something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um okay described the early period with Nickelodeon as being simple. He got along with Vanessa Coffee, who was the sole producer, uh, sole executive producer of the programme. Uh, when another executive was added for, um, he uh, he wanted to alter or discard some of the episodes um, and basically there were lots, lots of disputes about it um, John Kay says the episode stayed intact since he did a trade with coffee, he'd have some really crazy episodes in exchange for some heartwarming ones So mm. we'll do one for you and one for me, yeah, yeah. just let me do what the fuck I do yeah. Um uh, Kay also said the program was the safest project he ever worked on, uh, explaining the meaning of safe safest, spent a third of what they spend now per picture, higher proven talent and let them entertain so he, he knew what he was doing. He was putting together a show that was viable. Yeah, it was cheap. Um, yeah. it, was, it, was, yeah, it was cheap, it was viable, it was quality, and he knew people would watch it. Mm. Um, and for whatever reason, Nickelodeon didn't really take to that, or the executives of Nickelodeon didn't take to that. Why, I don't know.
0: Because rubbing nipples, quite
1: frankly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the relationship between uh, John K and Nickelodeon deteriorated to the point where he would only communicate via his lawyer. News outlets and several other series staff described. Uh, describe uh, that's quite attention uh, to episodes not being delivered in a timely manner um, noting that um, Kay's lax treatment of deadlines pissed off the networks uh, and also the loyal fans so I think the fans were getting pissed off, the networks getting pissed yeah. off it's no wonder they fired him at the end of the day um, there was one episode that kind of there were various things that got censored and cut out and sort of edited out, as I said there were jokes that were approved and then got disapproved mm-hmm. um, there were um, there was one key episode, which um, Kay says was the reason he got fired, in end. it's called Man's Best Friend. Oh, the dad. Um, um, the character of George Licker is depicted in the episode as an abusive father. Thing yeah. And Nickelodeon didn't want to be showing that <laughs> to the kids, which I can sort of understand on a kid's channel you don't want to show that. Yeah. Um, there's, there's another school on that, though. I mean, if you've got, okay, it's, it's showing this character as not being a very healthy, very wholesome character. However, there are people like that. And there will have been kids watching the show who who recognised mm-hmm. that in their yeah. own families, and if it gave them a way to to, to talk about it, to come forward about things, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. However, I'm not running a kids' TV network.
0: And also, this is Ren and Stimpy, and therein lies the difference between say Ren and Stimpy and South Park. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, yeah, you, the, way handle, the, the way they handle the way they handle it is different, but I think yeah, the, the the
1: the message is the same, and I think the the usefulness of that message, I think. Wouldn't have been lost.
0: No, um, but no one learns a lesson in Red Stimpy. No one. Nobody in the show does. I mean, people watching. No one, it, no one grows. <laughs> <laughs> but,
1: um, yeah, so, I mean that. That's why you can That's they said they drew the line that no, they didn't want. They could see the way he was sort of directing
0: things, and they yeah. didn't want to go and that, that way again. That, that isn't me. That isn't me having a pop. Fucking love this show. Love that episode. I'm an adult. I know. Yeah. I know what's being pitched there, and yes, I can I can understand it, but yeah. Oh, it's fucking hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> it is. There's, there's no doubt about that. So I just the, the character, if I remember rightly, um, I'm going back to kind of early-ish internet days now. I'm sure John Kay spun that character off as well. I'm sure I remember seeing I'm not some, sure, possibly. some stuff on Tinder webs. Oh, look, okay. now. Um, I wouldn't swear by it, but if not that character, it might be something similar. But I'm sure I remember seeing cartoons just featuring. Him. Quite possibly, I mean. Um... This a quick squint. I, I'm.
1: Um... Yeah, um, you did. You had um, uh, uh, George Goose subsequently appeared in uh, episodes of the goddamn George Liquor program. There
0: you go. So yeah, the you game is fucking show. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I thought I remembered something. Uh, I don't remember that at all, actually. But. Um... It was on it was on the internet though. It wasn't it wasn't a TV show. Right, this okay. was a like watch it in your browser kind of thing. Oh, okay. But, yeah, yeah, I, I thought I remembered that. Probably widely available now. But um yeah, I don't remember that at all. Okay. Uh, I I don't know because I've got a feeling John Kay hosted it. Well, it's saying that his website's still up, so yeah, don't necessarily want to go to that though. No, uh do. in, in all fairness <laughs> do despite <laughs> Look, okay, there are allegations levied at him, who knows whether they're true or not. Right, I'm not I'm not touching that with barge pole um his website's still up if you can get past the ranting <laughs> there is some very interesting stuff on it particularly about animation and the history of animation uh, he's clearly a very knowledgeable and passionate guy um just went a little bit off piste it's just who he is you've got to give it okay stuff that he may or may not have done side he's himself mm. and you've got to take your hat off to the guy for that i respect that yeah. you know it His opinion is out there, and there's facts behind the opinion as well. And if you want to read it, you can put his opinion to one side, if you like. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know when we were talking about Doug, um, there was a quote from the creator of Doug, I can't remember now,
1: um, but he was saying that one of the reasons he attributed Ren and Stimpy do better numbers than the other two shows was because John Kay was so vocal about everything. He made a point of putting himself out there. To say everything was shit, everything was wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. That's wrong. I know what I'm doing. This he he made a name for himself doing that, and his show kind of backed that up. Yeah. Whereas the the ones who uh, the guy who made Doug and um, Classic Guitar didn't do that. It's like, we're not biting the hand of the feeds, so and we've got a gig here. Yeah. We're gonna keep on fucking making it. Yeah, totally. Reality.
0: Whereas, again, back to the punk ethos, like yeah, John Cain's f- not holding his tongue for no one. No. <laughs> he's not working for Nickelodeon, he's working for himself, they yeah. just happen to pay him. Yeah, that's right, they're, they're, <laughs> they're a customer, they're not, yeah. they're not his boss, they're a customer. Yeah, you take his product or leave it, and quite frankly, if you don't want it, then you'll take it somewhere else. Exactly. As he did. Yeah, <laughs> um, I mean, at, at the time, it was a very risky
1: strategy, I mean, you didn't have the platforms you have now. No. Um, but um, again, kudos to him for, you know, for having that ethos. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But um, yeah, I mean it's as I said, it's probably worth a look on his website. I've not looked on his website, I can't bring myself to do it, but I'll probably get there at some point.
0: Yeah, it's, it's I definitely worth a look, honestly. Just um, you might you might agree with some of the stuff he's he's ranting on about as well. Some of the stuff he says, I, I do agree with some of it, I absolutely don't. Um, but you'll always find that. But you'll always find that, yeah, and the, and the opinions there, and you just disagree with it, and take, as you say, judge the art, not the artist. Yeah, so, that's right. Yeah, yeah. okay. So post-John um, Kay, then, um, Games Animation took over for
1: seasons 3, 4, 5, so 1993 to 1995. Um, Nicolai did terminated Kay's contract in September 1992, and often in the position of consultant for the running but he refused to sell out, as he called it. Um, the network moved production from Spoonco to the newly founded animation studio Games Animation, which later became Nickelodeon Animation Studio, so they did it in-house basically. It became a Nicktoon. Um, yeah. Bob Camp replaced um, K, as director while well, Billy West, um, having refused um, the request, the uh, request from John K to leave with him, voice uh, Ren in addition to Stimpy. Yeah. So yeah, he basically just went, "Fuck it, I want to pay do it all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. At, at the end, at the end of the day, there's, there's loyalty and there's paying your mortgage. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, um, yes, yeah, so it uh, looks like most people stayed on. Um, Fans and critics felt this was a turning point for the show. When I said earlier on, there is a noticeable difference. God, definitely um, so between that so second season and the third season.
0: Well, the, the voice is different. That's the, the, voice, thing, is, the voice. is different. And you notice that? So, yeah, they they are John K. Yeah, it's his. It it does sort of dry. You kind of get used to it by the end of that third season. You do kind
1: of get used to it. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: And you you sort of you put it out your mind that it's not John K anymore. It's Billy Russell, and you just put right. It's Ren. Yeah. And that kind of takes yeah, yeah, yeah. Of it. it take it it bends. it takes a while to, to for it to take but it does eventually get there, um, but yeah I mean the, I said it was just it wasn't the same show it didn't have the same
0: energy no but it was very it was very safe the the voice was different the, the prime creative because because it was John Case and he he directed everything and his persona and his mindset and his values are very evident all the way he yeah first it is his yeah and then all of a sudden you remove that it would be like all of a sudden if you had say South Park without Matt and Trey it would yeah. it would exist because there's a writing team yeah. so it would exist and there'd be a
1: particular style to it that would carry
0: on but it wouldn't be the same show yeah you know or like if Family Guy lost Seth and family, it would exist because I think you so lose about 90% of the cast there as well. Well, yeah, okay. But yeah, I, I see what you mean. Yeah, it and it's, of, you know, it's the same with Ren and Snippy. There is a whole creative team behind it, but at the head of that team is John Kay. Yeah. And when he's gone and Bob steps up, it's someone else's team. And that's yeah, his voice. And
1: I think the, the, the biggest issue would be that Bob would have stepped up on the proviso that he
0: told the line. Yeah, absolutely. This is Nickelodeon's show. Yeah, not this is Bob Camp's show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. this is our show. We're paying for it. We're making you know, It's our studio yeah, yeah. that's making it. You'll do as you're fucking well told. Yeah,
1: exactly. Um, I mean, if Kay said about not selling out, and I'm assuming that's exactly what he meant, is that he wasn't going to sit there and oversee a show that he had no, no control over.
0: Punk rock, motherfucker. <laughs> that's
1: right. <laughs> Simple. Um so yes, I said it was it was noted amongst fans and critics as a as a downturn for the show. Um there uh, was a critic from the Boston Phoenix said that the uh, the bloom faded on Ryan Stimpy um when when John Kay left, so even they didn't just say that them we, we, it's, we know it's still there and it's still alright, it's still funny but it's just not as bright, not as entertaining, not as anarchically brilliant as it was and I think that's because people have come to realise what it was and come kind of to expect a certain level from it, to see it, oh yeah, it was carrying on and not, like now you, every, when you have a show, any show because of the internet, you know every fucking thing about it before it's even been on air mm. this was very, very early days of public internet if not slightly before you didn't have fucking Dursley before, I would it. say. Yeah, yeah. So in '93, you would have been just. It, I think they would have been just starting to roll out the infrastructure for it. Mm. Um, but it you know, certainly wasn't widely, widely available, and certainly wasn't in everybody's fucking pocket like it is now. Yeah. Um, so I mean, stuff like this you wouldn't have necessarily heard about unless you worked in the trade or were somehow affiliated with the network or the show. You wouldn't have known this stuff. No. You'd have just noticed that, that the it's names different. are different, on the credits, yeah, and the yeah. voice is
0: different. And well, let's be fair, like, the majority of people. Even now, the majority of people watching TV shows and stuff, do they really realise who a show's creator is, unless they're a superstar creator? Yeah. And do, and, and do you pay attention? I mean, we do. We, yeah, that's that's the thing. I mean. But do you, does the average viewer pay attention to who's written and directed an episode? No. No, that's right. Unless it's uh, unless it's something they watch
1: the show. Yeah. Unless it's something absolutely spectacular or something that's been billed as being massive, or it's something that when um, Kevin Smith has gone to, to do the um, the DC shows. Yeah, um, because, because he's a main director. It's he's, like, oh, this is a Kevin Smith episode. Yeah, yeah. and no, because of that, you know, he, he's very he's very vocal and very visible on social media. and people he sells it to people who wouldn't normally see it. Mm-hmm. Your average Kevin Smith fan who you knows growing up watching Clerks and all that stuff like that might not necessarily be into Supergirl. Yeah, but because he's directed half a dozen episodes. Thinking to myself, like, oh, well, fucking hell, it's not actually or a bad show. I quite like this. Yeah, and it, it it's using that star power. Yeah, but so a lot of you're right. A lot of people wouldn't necessarily notice that. They might
0: notice the actors have changed. They'll notice the actors because that's a that's a thing that they're looking at. Yeah, but they won't, but no, read, they won't read the credits because when the credits are on, they're looking at the fucking montage yeah. of the show. And let's be honest, most people, generally, especially in live action shows, you get clips of stuff that's coming up in the seasons. So most people are watching it trying to work out whether they've seen that bit or not. Yeah, or maybe that's just me but I don't know who knows Um, what they're not doing is reading the credits unless they're us
1: yeah so um, yes I mean it's it was quite noticeable and then um, as a lot of people a lot of people noted that they the John Kay stuff they didn't it wasn't Dick and Fart chokes it wasn't toilet humour no, And um, the new was... stuff became a lot more about that. It was a lot safer and they, well. they
0: led a little bit harder on the surrealism. Yeah. You know, and, and like I said, there was good stuff that came out of this. You know, this is where we get things like uh, the Yaksmus episodes and stuff like that. I'll and that. it's still funny. But it just lost that real anarchic, yeah chaotic is... feeling. And it was the first two seasons are just chaos. Yeah, it lost its heart, effectively. Yeah. It, it lost what the ethos of the show
1: was. Yeah, totally. Um, listen to the Xmas episode um, the season ended its original run on December 16th 1995 with a scooter for Yaxmas. Um although one episode from the final season Sammy and Me slash The Last Temptation remained unaired and then a year or so later uh, it aired on MTV um, October 96 didn't realize no. so yeah so they didn't didn't get to
0: finish the show on Nickelodeon um, right. which was quite surprising yeah the
1: shit they put it through
0: Yeah. but I mean like I said I've, I've Crock of Christmas in the CD player every year, and you know, a lot of that comes from that season three to five. You get all the Yaxmas carols and stuff like that. Yeah, it's a good CD, I love it, it's brilliant. It's one of my favorite Christmas CDs, but it is that kind of slightly polished, sanitized yeah. version of Rent and Stimpy.
1: Yeah, you know? I mean, you can, you can kind of equate it, I mean, given the, the punk analogy that you've, you've been using, um, if you listen to some early some early punk stuff so some relatively big bands who we went on to do mm-hmm. some quite, quite of things their early records where they're in a fucking garage and they're swearing halfway through because they've got the chords wrong and they're like fuck it you get on with it yeah. or they, they talk halfway through it it's that sort of chaotic organic almost yeah. approach to it whereas by the time they get to but doing, you get the studio polish yeah, that's it they get yeah. to they get into a studio and they do three or four records like that and all of a sudden they're quote unquote proper musicians and they're making proper mm-hmm. albums Yeah. all of a sudden you don't get that and it, it almost takes away the appeal because that sort of that identifiable nature, that bit which um, everyone says, "Oh, fucking hell, that's them being them," that goes out the window, and you, you don't get to see that anymore. And as if things progress, and again, you go further and further down that line, you become less and less recognizable from the original
0: concept. Uh, concept. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's like to, to use the analogy, you've sort of got if Ren and snippy is the Clash, then you know Ren and snippy seasons three to five is Green Day. Yeah. It's. It, it's just a, a hyper polished yeah just cheesy poppy nice version yeah of, of what the original was yeah I think that's a, that's a fair point um,
1: so we've talked about the, the sort of production the animation at length. Um, voices we talked I mean um, the original um, style for um, for red when John Cady, it was um, sort of Peter law sort of um, an exaggerated yeah. version of Peter law. Um and then when Billy Rest took it over, um it just became a bit sort of Kirk Douglas i Douglas shed it. Kirk Douglas-ish. Kirk Douglas-ish, Kirk Douglas-ish say that, yeah. Um yeah, it became very polished, very deliberate. So even putting on the same voice yeah. never really sounded the same. No. You no, know, it's it's like somebody trying to do an accent and they because they because they've learned an accent, it's so consistent and they get the same the same intonation on the, on the same vowel all the time, things like that. It doesn't sound natural, it doesn't sound organic. Whereas yeah. people speaking in a particular accent or with a particular accent and uh, the dialect will say things more naturally. Well, naturally, yeah. And yeah. will pick things up too. And they might not say the same thing twice Yeah. in the same way. Whereas somebody who's learned an accent will keep on repeating and repeating and repeating because that's how you learn. That's how so you learn it, yeah, yeah. And I think that was, let like said, that's one of the, the biggest criticisms I had. That's one of the biggest things I noticed was the same. All of oh, a sudden it was Fry doing Ren. Yeah, yeah because uh, at the time I went back to Futurama but I'd yeah, yeah. come around as well so it was Fry um, but I know he did um, he did Doug as well didn't he? he yeah So I mean you know, he, he had this iconic TV voice actor Yeah but you know he was not playing he was playing a part he wasn't a part. he, was, he <laughs> was playing Ren he wasn't
0: yeah. Ren I think it's probably the best I, way to look. Again it's not so much the voice in Ren as it is so much that Ren is just such a depiction of pure Anger and rage, yeah, and, and so much of that comes through in the vocal performance. Yeah, it, he's just constantly, even when he's being nice, he's just constantly bubbling over on the surface, and it comes through not just in the animation but in the vocal performance. Oh, definitely. As well. it, you can just hear him ready to explode at any minute. He's a fucking psychopath. Yeah, as Chihuahua's was that, <laughs> you know. Um, but yes, yeah, well, so, I mean, it is quite funny.
1: I mean. Some of the other things, sort of notable things with the voice acting again. We talked about like yeah, we know, we've talked about Family Guy in South Park, and I mean as well. Some, the, one of the things they've all got in is they have massive cameos. They have really sort of, really big names. Big names, on. yeah, yeah. This was no exception. You yeah, had Frank Zappa, yeah, um, Randy Quaid, Gilbert Gottfried, Rosie O'Donnell, who was big at the time, um, Dom DeLuise, Phil Hartman, um, Mark Hamill, um, all popped up at some point or another.
0: Dom DeLuise,
1: I know it's on the list.
0: No, I mean, no. For, I mean, for this time, that was that would have been a big score. No? Yeah, that's exactly. the laughing. Well, that's it. But not then again. A lot of the names, stopped A lot of people who were around at this time would have popped up. You'd say the same. He's just before. so. I, I mean, I say that, but no offense to Don DeLuise, of course. But he's just so of that time. Oh yeah, very much so. Yeah. Like there's a guy I'd forgotten even existed until you just said his name. When I read
1: this list this morning, I had to look up who he was. So I recognise that but I couldn't remember
0: who the fuck he was. I, I, I mean, I, I'll never forget who he is. In fact guy with Barry. Yeah, if, if you're not sure who he is, kids, Google. Yeah, Google is your friend. But it's, yeah, such a product of that time. Absolutely.
1: Um, so yeah, I mean, again, as as is common with cartoons now, had these big name guests mm. in. Which I mean, Disney never did that. Warner never did that. And nope. it's again, it's it's a it started here. Mm. Uh, even to a point where you know you had Josh Clooney playing a gay dog in the first season of South Park. Started here.
0: Yeah. You yeah. I mean, you wouldn't get that. You get none of it. You really don't. I I think it's it's a shame really that more people I mean, B is is well known, obviously, and the people that do know about it love it. But I really do feel it's a shame that it because of the history and especially now with everything surrounding John Kay. I don't think it's ever really going to get the credit or the recognition that it deserves for, no, I, I don't think for it will giving all... these things to us. No, and I don't think its reputation will grow either. I think it's one of those that it is what it is. No, it's a, it will... it'll be a curio, when, yeah. and when our generation is gone, that'll be the end of Ren and Stimpy, I think. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I can't imagine showing this
1: to Jess when she's a little bit older and slightly more appropriate, and her going, fucking hell, that's brilliant, because... No. It's just it's not what what's it around was, now. And by and the time that she's was, old enough, yeah. it'll be even further away from what I watched as Yeah, and, and as
0: I say, I think it was just so much of it was right place, right time, and the audience was the right age. Yeah, I was, I was moving into adolescent adolescence. I was a punk in my teenage mm. years. I was into the ethos of the show. I was into everything about it, and so I fucking loved it. Mm. And it connected with me hard. And that is the audience. I think at that time, you know, you did have that audience. You did have Gen X coming through. Yeah. And it, it is that show. And then, as I say, that moved straight on to the kind of edgier side of MTV then with Beavers and Butthead and stuff. Yeah. I, yeah. And today's youth doesn't have that. And they will almost look back on that, I thought, as, as laughable in the same way that we might look back on something like Flower Power in the 60s being... Yeah. Very stylish and, and, and laughable.
1: Yeah. You know? and, I, and I was going to say, I mean, one of the, you're talking about right place, right time, one of the big things, this, and one of the big successes of this is that because of the time it came, you didn't have hundreds of channels on TV. No. Like you, certainly in this country, most people had four. Mm. Um, some people only had three. Um, in, in the States, you only had, unless you had cable, you had a handful of channels. And various countries around the world, even what we call first world countries or developed countries, you were talking a handful of of net of of terrestrial television channels. Um, and then you had you, know, you had cables that line, and they they then grew it. But at the time you would have only had very you had limited options to what you could watch. Yeah. Whereas the demographic that it aimed at then, if it were to aim at it now, you'd be looking at sort thirty
0: to forty five second clips that can go on YouTube and you can watch on your phone. That is exactly where Brennan Stimpy could live now. It is could YouTube. Yeah. That is as I say. Netflix or YouTube, that on-demand content for those of us that want it and want, and it would be quick fixes for those yeah. of us that want it. It's there, yeah, and it could live again like that, I think. But as I say, I just don't think unless John Kay gets it off the ground himself, uh, which he could do on YouTube, I guess, but ain't no fucking network going near him with a barge pole. No, and I think the problem is, I mean, you, you saw what happened last time. He kind of got to do his own thing. Well, yeah, with the adult cartoon, yeah, it yeah, yeah. just went fucking nuts. Yeah, so and, and there is certainly nobody touching him as an investment with everything that's no, that's right. right. Even if he, even if he gets proven innocent, there is his name is sullied now that, because of his it. character. I think there is a certain amount of doubt. So yeah, that's right. Nobody's touching him. No, that's right. Um,
1: so talk about, um, as I said we talk quite a lot about music, and this mm-hmm. episode which is unusual for us. But um, the theme show featured a wide variety of music um, spanning rockabilly, folk rockabilly,
0: folk, pop, jazz, classical, jingles. It did a bit of everything. And again, the, you see the influence coming through in South Park where a lot of that music was actually the animation team put their own little band together. They did. Do you, do you remember what they were called? Something to do with Lederhosen. He's gleaming Lederhosen. I knew it was something Lederhosen. Yeah. I knew it. Um, and, and again, you see that as you get through the South Park and you get Matt and Trey writing all the songs. Yeah. You know... A, and the songs, obviously, the songs in South Park are, are a cut above. But even the, the songs and the jingles and stuff in Ren and Stimpy, they're not to that level of sophistication. But they're good. The theme is fucking excellent. Yeah, and again,
1: <laughs> we've t- we've, t- we've talked about it already, but the look okay, of Ren and Stimpy as a forerunner to Animaniacs, as a forerunner to uh, into things like South Park. Every iteration, every evolution is just slightly more polished, Which, slightly yeah. better. Not because the quality is necessarily better, but because they just it's a lot more knowing. Yeah, in terms of yeah, so they know what the what they're doing, they know what they're saying, they know when they're saying, and they they kind of time it a bit better, and I think no, it's it's not it's it's
0: brilliant in Ren and Stimpy, but it just improves slightly with every iteration. It does, and and again, it comes down to Ren and Stimpy just being that little bit more rough and ready because it was the first through as well. Yes, and because it was just wanted to be rough and ready, you're never going to get the level of harmonies and stuff that you get in a full on Broadway esque South Park number in Ren and Stimpy. Yeah. Because that's not what it is, you know. What you're going to get instead is something like "Happy, Happy, Joy, Joy." Yeah, which is deliberately taking the piss out of that, but it's catchy as hell. Yeah, you know. I mean, we, we we were looking
1: for clips online before we started, and that one popped up on YouTube, and I I remembered "Happy, Happy, Joy, Joy," but I hadn't remembered the tune. I hadn't re- I hadn't seen it for ages. As soon as it popped up on the screen,
0: I like, fuck's sake. It's one of them. Like we, and yeah, it's in there Like we watched it this morning. It's there all day now. Yeah, it's, it's in there now until... Any time my mind me. goes idle today, happy, happy, joy, joy is there.
1: Yeah. i shadow of that one. That's it. I'm kind of relishing um, just putting on
0: something later to get out of my head because otherwise I'll be there for days. And, and again, we, we've talked about sort of the effect that some of these shows can, can have on our... on. It's kind of the whole reason for the podcast. We've talked about that on, on previous shows as well, but... Again, Ren and Stimpy is a show that, even though, I, I mean, I will quote Ren and Stimpy on the reg, I, I really do love this show, and it is a show that I can quote, and you can see their glassy look in most people's eyes as yeah. it goes straight over their head. But happy, happy, joy, joy is something that always connects. Even if you don't know the show that well, yeah. most people seem to know happy, happy, joy, joy, and it is something that I will roll out yeah. <laughs> regularly. Well, maybe not the whole song, but certainly "Happy, Happy," "Joy, Joy" will just roll out of my mouth on a regular basis. Yeah. So yeah,
1: I mean, I said music again. A lot with a lot of these shows, music is, is important important to the way they put it together. And I mean, um, same as same as Animaniacs and South Park. I love the written the music is written specifically for it. So they they've had their own score done, which again mm-hmm. seemed to be something that in the early nineties people were keen to do rather than sort. Of, using you no know, off the shelf cheesy uh, sort of you know, yeah. electric pop rock stuff. And they actually want something about what fits the episode, what we actually need, and doing it themselves. And on top of that they used a lot of um, a lot of famous works from people like Debussy. Uh, a lot Jeff of classical Swartz, music, Bezos. yeah, yeah. Um, no, they they kept on rolling that out. So I mean it was it was always this interesting dichotomy of a very modern, very up to date show using
0: classical music. And again, I think that harks back to his influences from earlier on and even despite and John K.'s different approach to to the Disney aspect and being story driven, a lot of that harks back to the kind of sim- symphonies and, and merry melodies that you would have had from yes from Warner and stuff like that. And it's it's clear, you know, that at that time in that period that they were they were basing this style on, cartoons were accompanied by classical music. That was it. Yeah, that—that's what went with the cartoon, and most of them were drawn to classical music, almost like music videos. Yeah, I mean, kind of if you
1: videos. think of Fantasia as a, as a yeah. very high-profile
0: example, of that, yeah, right? yeah.
1: Even if you think of not just animations but the very early silent films, where they were co- they were played in a theater, yeah, accompanied get, by they a pianist, dip-mockies. yeah,
0: Yeah, piano school, who, yeah, yeah. Who,
1: would, who would be sat there playing along with yeah, the yeah. film, and it kind of yeah, it's it's again harking back to that tradition which uh, would have probably been lost by this part, but most people wouldn't have realised what the hell was going on by the time this came out, because nope. you're talking 50, 60, 70 years later. Yeah. So, it's, I mean, it's it's, inter- it's interesting the way they've used it, and then the way that shows have come after it have carried on using it in much the same way. Yeah. Um, you mentioned, um, mentioned Croc Christmas earlier. There were actually three studio albums. Uh, first one was You Idiot, uh, Croc Christmas,
0: and Radio Days. There's I'm- only heard of Croc Christmas I will... Get on Amazon when yeah. we finish you though, and look for the others because I genuinely do love this music. Croc of Christmas is great. If anybody wants a new Christmas CD to listen to this year and you yeah. have not heard Croc of Christmas, I can't sing Jingle Bells anymore. <laughs> I will sing the version from Croc of Christmas. I might have to look that up when we finish recording. I mean, yeah, it's in our house. Uh, I mean, I, I have a lot of animals in my house, but in our house, we don't sing Jingle Bells, we do sing Cat Hairballs. It just. <laughs> That those are the words now for us forever and ever. It's Cat hitballs. makes sense.
1: It's quite funny that there, there wasn't that much merchandise, but it shows how important the mer- that music was to the show. Yeah, yeah, Some of the other things they actually released were these three albums.
0: Yeah, and I mean, even now, I don't think there's... I mean, there's got to be Funkos. You have thought so. Funkos are every fucking thing. There should be Funkos of us. I, I mean, I'm sure that can be arranged. I, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure the way Funko Pops work is... They just get the well. I know they get the same fucking plastic body and paint it differently and just yeah. wallop a head on. Now, They're kind of like He-Man figures. Yeah, I mean for you, they just repurpose the Kevin Smith ones. Yeah, that's they? right. Surely, and I guess I've got kind of a generic white person's face. Yeah, I think I've got, Well, I don't think there's anything. I think it's a fair point. All white like people about me, is there? All white people the same. It's fine. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. No, I know what you mean, though. It is. Um, it, I'd be surprised if there aren't.
0: Um, I, I want them now. I need to. I need to find out if they're Ren and Stimpy. Yeah, Funko. Maybe it's a trip that has been planned later on. More specifically than Ren and Stimpy, though, I want a powdered toast man Funko. Yes, that is what I need. <laughs> is a powdered <laughs> toast man Funko because that head would be fucking amazing. Yeah, I just need a powdered toast man because I'm hungry. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we talked earlier on um, about Hang on. how did they not release powdered toast. Like, you're talking about an era where there was fucking breakfast cereal for everything. Like, how do you not just release a box of... Like, it's literally the shit out of the bottom of the toaster. Yeah. Like, they could just toast it a load of bread... Put it through a fucking mill or some shit. Yeah, just stick it in a in Well, I mean, a is, you don't even do that. You don't actually sell toast, fucking breadcrumbs. Powder toast is breadcrumbs. Why did they not sell <laughs> Ren and Stimpy breadcrumbs? But, I mean, no, as a breakfast cereal, you get something like, I don't know, fucking Cinnamon Grahams or something like that. Yeah. Or Cinnamon Toast Crunch or any of those. Yeah. And you just smush them up. That's right. Like, Missed come on,
1: people. But this was before Nickelodeon's heyday of selling every fucking
0: thing. Yeah.
1: So I mean, no, maybe they missed a the trick. Maybe this was before they hired the uh the good people to do to do the
0: marketing. I mean, there is there's definitely stuff I mean, Nickelodeon as well it used to sell um, Gak, wouldn't it? Was yes. their version of of Google? The yeah. Gak. How the fuck do you not market that as nose goblins? Like. Well, it's missed opportunities, isn't that? Totally, totally. And like I said, now like somebody used to get on this shit and release like log. Seriously, I want a log. <laughs> right. Copyright us. Yeah, somebody needs to release
1: that. Yeah, I'll get the axe out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we talked earlier on about some of the controversy in terms of internal politics and how um, Nickelodeon and uh, John Kay fell out. There's quite a lot of controversy and censorship from outside um, Nickelodeon as well. Um, the creators didn't want to create an educational series, which, you know, it was just as we said, it was entirely opposed to what they were trying to do. Nickelodeon didn't really like that, because that's kind of... Where they were, they wanted to make shows that were wholesome and family. Mm-hmm. A little bit, a little bit edgy, a little bit different, but were on the whole kind of nice. Yeah. Um, this wasn't. <laughs> this there's is nothing, probably the best way to say it. There's <laughs> just nothing wasn't. nice
0: about this show. Um, don't go in expecting like you get a good time out of it, but don't go in expecting like you know a nice, pretty little bow wrapped around the episode. And hey, kids, we've learned something today. Yeah, that's right. No, not this show. Yeah. Um, parents groups um, largely opposed the series called Tricky Band as you can imagine I remember I do remember all this controversy I see, when I it, was it I remember it was in the fucking sun and the mirror and all sorts like this show is wrong because it was at the same time that we had all the fucking video games are evil and all of that oh, kind of bother. shit was um, last week wasn't it? yeah, but, um, yeah it, I, I do remember I, I vaguely remember that sort of period I don't remember the, sort of the details which
1: of course as kids made us all want to watch it more yeah, of course it you, you tell a kid they can't do something, what's the we're first thing to do they do? Yeah, yeah. That. Yeah, of course. Um, some segments of the show were heavily, uh,
0: heavily altered to exclude references to religion, politics, and alcohol and drugs. You know, I, I actually think that is for the best. I think Ren and Stimpy is not the platform, again, in, in the way that, that South Park can have an intelligent point to get across, and will quite frequently present both sides of an argument, which is why they can get away with with yep. things, Ren and Stimpy is not that. It is too fucking chaotic. It is not the place to be getting on your political soapbox. Which, which is why a large part of the the reinvented series, the Adult Party, failed because it did attempt to do things like that. Yeah, it's, that's not the place for this. I no, don't I'm want that sure. in my Ren and Stimpy. No, one. that's right. I mean, um,
1: as an example, the episode Powder Toastman had a cross removed from the Pope's hat, and the credits changed to the man with the pointy hat, so it didn't call, it didn't call him the Pope. In the actual credits, he was the man with white had. The um, same episode, the segment featuring the burning of the United States Constitution and the Bill of Rights, which was removed. Um, and in the opposite dog show, um, George Lucas' character name was just was changed to George.
0: I mean, maybe that's a bit extreme. Then yeah. I was thinking more like they would—they would have been gags and step cut, but maybe oh, th- that would have
1: been done all the way through. Yeah, the end yeah, there, yeah, but yeah. this is once it aired, Then it's a well. It, 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 yeah. it was outside. No, it was outside Nickelodeon's control. Um, Several episodes have violent, gruesome or suggestive scenes shortened or removed entirely, including a sequence involving a severed head, a close-up of Ren's face being grated against a man's stubble, and a scene where Ren receives multiple punches to the stomach from a baby gangster. (laughs) One episode, uh, Man's Best Friend, was shelved by Nickelodeon's violent content, um, and the show's spin-off episode, Ren and Stimpy, Adult Adult Party Cartoon, debuted with the band episode.
0: So I didn't realise that. Yeah, so okay. it was basically,
1: um, John Kay went, fuck it, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to put it on.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, I've seen it because it's, it's subsequently been on the box set. Yeah. But I didn't realise it was the launch of Adult Party cartoon. Yeah, it was the, uh, the first episode. So, um,
1: yeah, I mean, I say it was massive. And, like, the because it because it became so big, and it became a lot bigger than I think people expected it, for the wrong reasons, Mm-hmm. It, it achieved a sort of notoriety above what it would have if, if it had just been a show that people had watched and left alone it wouldn't have had the same notoriety it wouldn't have drawn as many people in
0: no I think I think Ren and Snippy really is the very epitome of what you could call a cult show yeah it, it is it burned very brightly for a short period and has has had a sort of lasting effect because of that and the people that were into it at the time were really into it like I said this show's got its claws into me in a way that you know I fondly remember and really like a lot of the shows we talk about but this one genuinely has got its claws into me yeah. and I've carried it through my life Um which you know a few of the other things we've talked about had you know things like Batman and Maniacs as well to a certain extent to be fair, but Something about Ren and Stimpy just has always resonated with me, and I will always carry a very deep seated love for this show. I, I love it to bits.
1: Yeah. Well, we're talking about that. There's a section on the wiki page um, which is called Legacy and Influence, is probably a good place to, right, to go. Yeah. Um, the immediate influence of the show was the spawning of two clones um, Hannah Barbera's Two Stupid Dogs. Oh, that show uh, sucked. In which Spirbaco employees, including John Kay, had limited involvement after their departure from Ren and Stimpy. That show sucked. Um, and Disney's Schnuckums and Meat funny cartoon show. I don't remember that one.
0: Schnuckums and Meat,
1: yeah, I can remember that. Uh, oh, yeah. It's ringing a bell, but I don't... Yeah, neither of them it... were particularly good. Uh, um, however, the show that had a wider influence on future animation. Mike Judge credits MTV's willingness to commission Beavis and Butthead to the success of Ren and Stimpy, which i talked earlier on. Yeah. Um, Larry Brody credits Ren and Stimpy for leading a new golden age of animation as other networks for Nickelodeon invest in new cartoons opening the way for more um, adult-oriented sat- satire such as Beavis and Badhead and South Park so we've I been mean, talking about the stuff we've talked about already mm. um, it's been to be said to have broken the mould um, the The animation style was adopted for other things so the, the very muted very pastly yeah. be very bright very vivid um, and a direct influence can be seen in Spongebob um, it, was sort of the same, it was the same drawing style the same same oh, totally. techniques, the same motif Totally. Um, the characters themselves um, became um, uh, very cultural rather than the mid nineties. Um, you know, they, they started then popping up on things like socks. And I think were seen a scene in um, Clueless where she where she um, Lisa Simpson buys her stepbrother two pairs of socks mm-hmm. so you can have one random one, stay be, so you can mix yeah. a match. I think they did the same joke in Friends with Rocky and Bullwinkle, but you know, the, these characters were sort of they were culturally relevant then, the people who knew who they were. Yeah. So people meeting people who hadn't necessarily seen the show started seeing
0: Ren and Stimpy in places. And I think that that is where the show lives in popular culture now as well. In that, I think a lot of people will recognise Ren and Stimpy. Yeah. They might not know their names of Ren and Stimpy. And they, they might not be, know the show. They seen, yeah, them. I don't think they know the show, but yeah, in the same way that, I mean. I've seen Rocky and Bullwinkle, so I know that show because it was being rerun when I was a kid. But there are generations today who will know Rocky and Bullwinkle as characters, but, not but they won't long. know the show. Yeah. And even you know, to the extent of probably things like Fred Flintstone, kids would know the character, but they'll have never seen the Flintstones. I mean, nowadays,
1: I'd imagine most kids would know Fred Flintstone from the Building mm-hmm. Society advert on TV.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, and because they they're doing a big Hanna Barbera yeah, yeah, at the yeah. moment, aren't they? So I mean, all of the Hanna Barbera characters are popping up in banking adverts, mm. adverts for mortgages and things like that, um, which is a shame, yeah. really. But that's how you keep characters
0: living and on. It, yeah, it'll be the same as, I mean, the list is endless. The Pink Panther is another one. Everybody yeah. knows who the Pink Panther is, but unless you're our age, I'd say you probably uh, haven't I'd seen older pink, yeah, you probably haven't seen the Pink Panther cartoons. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I thought about those for years. Yeah, they go in on the list. Yeah, so they're going on the list. Yeah, so they just they're just it, on the
1: they're list. going on the list. Um, yes, yeah, so I mean, yeah, so I mean the, the, the cultural impact of um, Ren and Stimpy it probably wasn't felt as acutely at the time as it should have been. Hmm. But certainly now, and we are looking nearly 30 years later, unfortunately, but it is we are now at a point oh, that, Fuck,
0: man. I know. This is the part of the show I hate.
1: <laughs> Jesus Yeah, Christ. remind me how old we are. Um, but yes, yeah, so I mean, you, you see these characters, these characters occurring in a position of popular culture, yeah now which they probably deserved to at the time um, and it's probably only because the show ended and all the stuff that went around it yeah. that's kept them going as such um, but Ren and Stimpy placed 31st in TV Guide's list of uh, top 50 greatest cartoon characters of all time in 2002 uh, the cover story of the October 2001 issue of Wizard uh, which is a, a comic top listed the 100 greatest tunes ever selected by the readers, Ren and Stimpy ranked at 12th so you know they're, they're as well, they're as well loved as any other Yeah, ca- uh, cartoon um, group or family or around the, the, the people, yeah. people, people, people who know them love them.
0: Yeah, and, and Wizard would be that audience. I mean, I would certainly put them in my top five. Yeah. I, I, I nearly said ten, but no, thinking about it, I'd put them in my top five. I mean, Batman. So, you know, <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah. I, I think if you're of the right age and it connected with you, yeah, definitely, yeah. you carry. I mean, I, th- I think
1: it's difficult. I mean, if you were took part took a part of this list now as a man in my mid thirties, you'd probably get a very different response than you would have as a man oh, in yeah. my mid twenties, as my yeah, early twenties, yeah. or my teens. Um, but having having found this show in my early twenties and fallen in love with it, even now having not watched it really for probably the best part of fifteen years, excuse me. Um, I still look at the show and go, fucking hell, that's
0: amazing. It's no, special. It, it is. is and it's,
1: special. And the joy of it is that you can pick it up and put it down, yeah. if, you, if you can put it down. Yeah. No, you, you don't have to sort of think, well, okay, well, I've got need four hours to go and watch this. You can pick up 10 minutes.
0: Yeah. And it will do the same view as four hours. To a point where four hours is probably a bit too much. Yeah, you can watch too much in one go, definitely. So, yeah. I, I think this show could actually damage your mental state. <laughs> Quite honestly, possibly. If you watch too much in it. Yeah.
1: Um, so, yeah, but it, it, I mean, it's de- it definitely... It Definitely ages well, I think that's probably the, the best way to look at it. Um, so we talked about Adult, adult Party Cartoon, um, and sort of the, the revival of the show as such. Um, in 2003, John Kay relaunched the series as Ren and Stimpy Adult Party Cartoon. Uh, the new version was aired during late night programming on Spike, um, rated as TVMA, so it was basically the highest yeah. uh, TV rating they could get. Um, explored more adult themes, um, including explicitly homosexual relationship between the main characters, um, and an episode filled entirely with female nudity. Nice. Yeah, but not really what people. Are, no, not what you're looking for from Ren and Stimpy. Um Billy West declined to to participate, which is kind of telling. Mm-hmm. You can't get your, your main voice talent involved. Um, and it's, uh, it, I say, it began with the, the band episodes from Nickelodeon, the one they wouldn't air, and then had new episodes. It only aired for three episodes on Spike before it disappeared. I mean, that's poor.
0: Three episodes. Three I mean, Spike four.
1: kind of pulled their whole animation block. They wasn't down to this show as such. They mm-hmm. they went, hang on, it's not performing, people don't want it. And so they pulled the whole block. But yeah, three episodes is pretty fucking awful. Yeah. Um, yeah, so then, in February 2016, um, Deadline.com reported that Ren and Stimpy was scheduled to appear in upcoming Nick Toome's film reboots. Three months later, Variety reported Nick Lodi was in negotiations with John Kay about a revival of the characters. Bob Camp and William Ray stated in 2016 that John Kay was developing Ren and Stimpy short, or screen alongside the third Spongebob movie and whether they were not invited to be involved. So I mean, beyond that, I don't know whether it actually uh, aired or got released anywhere. I've never seen it. I've never seen it.
0: Certainly not. Um,
1: so yeah, so whether that happened or not, I don't know. I mean, a lot of the shows we've talked about and a lot of things we read about, they talk about reboots that are coming or revivals that are coming but you don't necessarily always see them because they start and then they find the, the public interest isn't there or they can't get the sponsors or they can't get the backing or the funding or whatever else mm-hmm. it may be and then they just kind of disappear off and that's that bit that's never reported so it's all the hype and the fanfare but yeah we're going to do another one and then when it doesn't happen people just sort of slink off quietly and disappear and you never hear anything about it again until you get to the podcast bring really. up yeah um, so yeah I mean it's widely available on DVD um, it's on YouTube yeah, yeah I mean in, we're, we're in the UK and we've tried looking it up for episodes on YouTube but Viacom banned them because it's not presumed it's to do with rights yeah um that's on the official channel if you look on the slightly less official channels it's still on
0: youtube yeah um, but i mean buy, buy, buy it. it yeah buy it yeah it, it's mean, not expensive on dvd the first two seasons are available in one box set they're all uncut as well yeah just, just you're talking totally about it, a couple you of time. it. Um, well you may do as i say this show is <laughs> divisive not for everybody yeah this is definitely not for everybody so maybe i don't know maybe take a look at one on youtube see if you like it and if you do dip in and get the box set if, obviously, you remember it, you know, same as we do, then you're going to have an idea of whether you're going to like it or not. And if it is something you're thinking about, oh, yeah, I remember that, do I want to watch again? Yes, absolutely, go back. It's probably better than you remember it because you'll probably get a little bit more out of it. Yeah, now definitely. you being older. Um, if you've never seen it before, then... Black man, you're in for a treat. Wow. Well, maybe you are, or maybe you're just in for... A shock. Ah, probably five minutes. I'll give you. you. You're gonna know within the first five minutes oh, if this show is for you. It won't take long.
1: You're talking a minute.
0: Yeah, yeah. you you, are you will know. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so I mean, yeah, it's it's quite um, it's quite interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, I don't think I need to ask you
0: whether it's worth going back to. Because I don't think you ever left it. I have never left it. This um, show has always been with me. I. Dearly, dearly, dearly love this show, and um, I couldn't wait to do this podcast.
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, I so I I didn't really take to it the first time round. Um, I think it, it was just, I and mean, we, we've thought about this before. You when you're at that point, you're at that sort of 10, 11 year old stage where you think, right, well, that's a bit. No, it's a cartoon. It's not really what I want to watch. It's a bit below me. And you, you know, you either get into sports and watching football and shit like that, or you get into more adult stuff. Mm. So cartoons kind of aren't there. And it's one of those. I saw bits. I was like, yeah. Um, going back to it, I think I was 19, 20, 21. Holy yeah. And then the best part of 15 years later, going back to it again and saying, yeah, I still love the show, and I can tell you why I love the show and what stands out about it for me and what it means. Um, so, yeah, I mean, as, as you said, if you've not seen it, go out, go out and find it. It's well worth it. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, so that's René's Libby in a pretty large nutshell. Um, if you want to talk about it you like what you've heard um, drop us a line you can get us on Facebook at the Double Down Podcast Network or you can go to our website ddpodcast.net our old episodes are on there as well there's some other shows um, featuring us and some more talented people Um, but for now we'll see you next time next time when's that? pretty soon don't worry
0: pretty soon? how long's that? In a little while man